Hey everyone, we are live for our Sunday weekly warm-up. We have an amazing guest with us, and of course, we have the one and only Brad Hughes co-hosting the show. My name is Ray Hewer, and we're going to get into tons of fun as we wrap up many in the U.S. celebrating the Thanksgiving four-day weekend, and then maybe even five-day weekend, depending on how your schedule was. Um, and then we're headed into an amazing week ahead as we eventually get to the month of December, which for many of us is very bittersweet, but a lot to look forward to. So stick with us. If you are here watching live with us as we stream exclusive in our private Facebook group, please feel free to comment, tell us where you're watching from. This specific segment of our Sunday weekly warm-up only streams on Sunday nights exclusive in our private group over at teachbettergroup.com. And then if you're catching this later on in the week, we have streamed this as an additional opportunity for you to catch it on Monday nights on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn, where the Teach Better team loves to give you good content. So we will be right back. Welcome back to our Sunday weekly warm-up. Brad Hughes in the house. My name is Ray Heward, and we have one of my favorite people to interview today. Tom Schimmer is here. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Uh, great to, to see you both again and uh, excited to be here and looking forward to it. It is going to be so much fun. Brad, how do you feel about Tom joining the show this week? So excited, uh, so excited <laughs> to be talking with Tom and a fellow Canadian in the house as well. And we're going to be talking Turkey this weekend. It's a big weekend uh, for uh, for you in the U.S. And uh, Tom mm -hmm. and I have uh, our own opinions, our own experiences as Canadians with uh, an earlier Thanksgiving. So we'll uh, we'll get down into that. I have to say, guys, I was before we clicked the live button, friends, I was prepping Tom and Brad of like, OK, so we'll start we'll, the show will start off pretty casual. We'll do introductions, talk about Thanksgiving, and then we'll get into like what we like to call the meat and potatoes, our Sunday strategies. We'll have something that our audience is going to take away from this experience. And Tom and Brad will look at each other and go, well, neither of us celebrate Thanksgiving this week. We're Canadian. I was like, man. How did I mess that up? So yes, we might talk about Thanksgiving for those U.S. you know educators that are listening. We'd love to have you in the comments telling us how your Thanksgiving was, especially while we do introductions, because apparently I'm the only one on the screen that actually celebrated Thanksgiving these past few days. Tom and Brad celebrated in October, which we are going to talk about. But before all that, Tom, do you mind sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? And then we'll dig into your Thanksgiving traditions. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. I love the intro too. Uh, so Brad, how do you feel about Tom being on the, uh, on the show tonight? Let's say uh, five out of 10. Uh, <laughs> what's he going to say? Um, but I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Uh, I am an education author, speaker, consultant. I've been in education for, um, I think it's 33 years, 32 years now. I, I'm losing count. Started in 1991, uh, 20 years. And in I the can tell system. you. Yep. Then I can tell you it's 32 years plus a few yeah, months. 32 years. Yeah, there you go. I, I was losing count. Um, but uh, I left my uh, school district position in 2011. I've been for uh, the last uh, number of years as a speaker, consultant, author, and uh, and and love doing it. And a podcaster as well. So as part of the Teach Better Network. So that's what I do. That's who I am. And uh, 
I live in Vancouver on the west coast of Canada. To confirm, I asked Brad how he felt about it because I know that you guys have met in person and Brad and I love anything with the Tom Shimmer like title on it. So I wasn't asking like, I oh, know, you I, like know. Tom I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was a good time. It's like, Brad, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about Tom? Are you guys right. having warm these days? Well, I, I won't tell you what I said off air, Ray, but now that we Fair are enough. on air, I am excited, thrilled. Yeah, I am just I'm just beside myself with excitement that Tom Shimmer is on the air with us tonight. Yeah, we can see you, we can see you reading the script there brad it's all good exactly the guy in the back with the cue cards (laughs) right where's the applause sign yeah that's our crack uh sunday weekly warm-up production assistant team that uh, ray and i have at at our disposal at at our remote locations here it's all good all good to be here when brad and i were live together during our daily drop-in which was every friday morning we would joke that there was like a production team behind the camera we'd like Mm -hmm. occasionally ask for coffee or the lighting to be changed it was always always a good time so obviously brad still has that production team two years later and is you know making sure he says all the right things yeah (laughs) i i ray unfortunately uh due to cutbacks i had to let the production team go uh they've moved on to bigger and better things so i'm just on my own, just uh, plugging away here and uh, just doing what I can to to keep the show rolling week after week. You know, I, I'm not sure about your production team. Yeah, who refills your coffee then? Uh, I have a Roomba that I've retrofit to uh, to refill my coffee. Uh, it's it's only it's only uh, dangerous adjacent. Like it's it's pretty safe. Uh, there's only been you know uh, one fire and. Uh, it's worked out. And, and one, uh, there's a second degree burn involved, but it was all part of the learning process, right? Oh my goodness. Tom, I'm so sorry you joined the shenanigans, but I promise they are only in the beginning of the show. Tom, I love, I would love to get into our Thanksgiving conversation. Before we do, I have to tell you that I am a, a huge fan. I was talking about you over dinner tonight. We made hamburgers and just had a grand old time watching football. And um, there, the way that I described you was, essentially like a really famous educator that not only I'm, I'm always like very excited and nervous to interview because I admire you so deeply, but also you talk about all the hard stuff in education, like grading, assessment, leadership, all that stuff. And that's also intimidating. So I was like, so it's going to be a really great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the topics I talk about certainly don't make me the most popular kid at the lunch table. That's for sure. Um, But someone has to do it. And, you know, at some point we've got to confront some of these big ideas and not just gloss around the periphery, but make sure that we're, we're having some serious conversations about, about education. So, yeah, but thank you, Ray. That's very kind of you to say, I, I'm a big fan of you, Brad, and the whole teach better team. I think what the work that you all do and the way you inspire people is just, it's really fun to watch. So uh, I certainly appreciate being part of the team. Mm, for those uh, of you who- on this, I was going to say, Tom on the screen right now is a link yeah. to your podcast and, and you yeah. are, sharing your expertise in so many channels, both in print, online, audio. Yeah. Uh, how are you finding that creative process? Do you, do you continue to be excited by what you create as well as by what you receive back from those that are watching, listening, and reading? I do. Um, now, if you look closely at the screen, the last episode I produced was October 9th. And I've usually been, uh, when I started, I was every week. Uh, I moved to every other week. And what's happened this year is I've just had a, a number of writing projects that have caught up to me. So I'm in the process. I'm going to have a couple more episodes out before the new year. I should get back to a regular every other week schedule starting in January. But it's just one of those things where the work piles up. But it's very rewarding to do the podcast. I certainly love the people I've interviewed. 
I've interviewed a, a lot of really sort of interesting and uh, and really well-known names in education. You know, you call in some favors, people you know, people have inspired me. Uh, and and I get a lot out of that because it's certainly it's a chance for me to test ideas. I ask questions mm. that sort of test some theories. I certainly try to push people's thinking a little bit, and I try to ask interesting questions. Uh, so it's a challenge as well as very rewarding to to be a part of it for sure. For those of you that are looking for a new podcast, you can head over to teachbear.com slash podcast to see a, a whole slew of podcast options mm. that the Teach Better team supports, including Tom Shimmer's podcast. Yeah. I will tell you, Tom, it is hard to keep up on everyone's podcast, right? There's so much different content out there. And depending on the type of educator you are, and even just what you're looking for during that season, you may not be able to keep up with everything. But I very much am a huge listener of the work that you do and very much admire all the people that you bring on to the show and the content that you discuss. So would highly, highly, highly recommend while we get into more of Tom's advice, maybe some insight <laughs> he's he's gotten into on his own or even just uh, grasped from podcast guests. I'd love to ask the two of you, if you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving this week, when in the world do you celebrate? Well, Canadian Thanksgiving is the second Monday of October, and uh, that's when we celebrate. It's more connected to the harvest, and and uh, and it really there is some there is some historical research that suggests that Canadian Thanksgiving actually predates American Thanksgiving. Hmm. So it might be historically accurate to say that you all copied us. True, um, but we'll just we'll just leave it at a tie uh, because they really do have a different focus, but. Let's not get it twisted here. I still celebrated American Thanksgiving because I am an absolute huge sports fan. I love mm. NFL. I love college football. So I'm happy when there's football on at strange times or there's three games on Thursday, tons of college football all weekend, all the rivalry games, all that stuff. So we celebrate. We might not have days off of work, but I might have taken a couple of days off of work just to, <laughs> just to celebrate American <laughs> Thanksgiving anyway. Uh, why not have two? I mean, why you can have two Thanksgivings instead of just one, that's for sure. Yeah, I think we all should adopt the Canadian Thanksgiving <laughs> and right. the American Thanksgiving and just have two mm -hmm. opportunities. Do you eat similar foods? I know we ask this every year, Brad. I, I know yeah. I ask you this yeah. every year. Uh, yeah. I, I think so. And, and Tom, feel free to chime in. I mean, traditionally you have uh, uh, turkey or ham, uh, yeah. stuffing and all the fixings, you know, potatoes. Yep. salads uh, just uh, the fall vegetables come in you know the turnips or squash like th yep. that kind of thing ray it's a, it it is a great opportunity to get together with family with friends and to come together around food is fantastic but tom that combination of food plus sports uh is uh is really significant and they even had a uh, a friday afternoon uh nhl hockey game uh that right. we enjoyed uh maple leafs and the chicago blackhawks uh ray yep. your blackhawks were playing and they came out on top in overtime. So we, food plus sports plus family, a uh, winning combination. Well, the one thing I, I was saying earlier is that I love the way that the Thanksgiving is structured in the United States because having it on the first day of the long weekend, the four-day weekend, is smart because ours is on a Monday. And as we were saying, most of the time, you most people that I know will have their big dinner on the Sunday anyway because they don't want to have to go back to work the next day. So um, I, I think having it on the first day of the weekend and then having that four day weekend, I think is, is wise. So, um, I'd like to see us adopt that in Canada, but if we can't, we'll just celebrate alongside you, uh, toward the end of November. So much to celebrate. I know that a lot of us enjoy here on the show, especially those that, that tune in weekly in the comments, enjoy sports. You've mentioned football, you've mentioned hockey, 
Tom, I feel like you're into a lot of other sports too. Brad and I talk F1 all the time. I think yep. you're into soccer as well. I, yep. Do you yep. do English Premier League? Like how are yep. we getting into all these sports? How do you follow all of them? I, I, I do my best. I, I mean, I, I pick a team. I have teams per league. I don't follow it closely, but certainly um, the NBA, NFL, um, NHL, uh, you know, and F1, I follow F1. And F1, I'm a fan of F1 simply because of Netflix. That's the only reason. Uh, I've been to two races in Montreal. I've been to the Canadian Grand Prix twice, which was a great event. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I follow soccer. I follow world soccer. I don't follow it closely, but I have a team per league that I kind of am a fan of. And I just follow it that way. So, I mean, I love all things sports, so I kind of keep up with it as best I can. But, you know, work is busy. Times are busy. So I don't follow it like I did when I was 13. Uh, but, but you know, the brain is full and you've got lots going on. When you're 13, your brain's kind of empty and you can know all the starting lineups of every team in the league and all of that stuff. And I couldn't tell you who played yesterday now. So <laughs> you know, life gets busy as you get older. That's for sure. If it uh, helps. But, yeah. If it helps, Tom, I do know that right as this this started, there was overtime happening in the Eagles and Bills. I can at least tell everyone that. I don't know who won. If someone wants to spoil it in the comments, I have no idea. Yeah. Hey, Ray um, and Tom, our, our good friend and Teach Better family member Katie Miglin is wondering if watching Ted Lasso counts as watching sports. And I, think so. I can confirm, uh, Katie, that that absolutely does count. Plus, it's awfully heartwarming and wholesome viewing. And uh, it's great when you can come together with family to watch a great series like Ted Lasso or come together for your favorite mm -hmm. basketball or football or hockey game. Sure. It's, a, it's a great connective activity. So Ted Lasso is uh, is a fave. Yeah. And uh, watching the Beckham doc as well. Wow. Like if you're a Spice Girls fan, you're going to get a lot of soccer in that doc. It was fantastic. Um, of course, you know, maybe do the same but i i know all that history in terms of following david beckham's career but it was interesting to get the insight so that's another way to get that insight um so it's a good can entry I, for space girls fans <laughs> can i add tom almost to the opposite it's also really good if you're not a spice girls fan because i did not like victoria oh. beckham very much and i liked her more after the documentary i could see that i could I see that yeah. outstanding i was shocked how much i didn't know about her so Really? Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want, and that's to let you guys know that there's a Spice Girls connection to F1. Do you know what that connection is, Ray or Tom? I, I do. I do. It's Red Bull. Really? Jerry Hollywall is married to Christian Horner, who's the team principal of Red Bull. Gosh, the the world is so fascinating. Don't you love yeah. these connections? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know why uh, Red Bull is so spicy out there? They've got... Uh, They've got uh, Jerry Hallowell cheering them on and uh, yeah. a great, great season for Red Bull, a record-breaking, mm -hmm. unbelievable sure. season. Yeah. On a complete side note, Katie Miglin, who's watching, uh, it's also a great sport to kiss a baby that is less than a month old. So say hello to baby Hazel for us and mm -hmm. hopefully uh, you're enjoying the time away on maternity mm -hmm. leave, even though you're watching the Sunday weekly warm-up. So. Right. <laughs> we're we're going to transition here into our conversation because as many of us, we are hoping to continue to get inspired, but also connect with our friends in the comments and maybe leave with some sort of educational thinking that we'll have throughout the week as we head into amazing, amazing time ahead. We'll be right back.
Hey everyone, welcome back to our Sunday weekly warm up, which is an exclusive live stream brought to you by the Teach Better team that gets to be live with you every single Sunday at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern to try and bring you some food for thought as you head into the week ahead. We like to warm you up and get you ready to reach every single student as you head into your Monday morning. We have the incredible Tom Shimmer with us. And while we've been able to joke about Thanksgiving and sports and lots of things in between, Tom is an incredible educator with outstanding resources to support you in so many different topics. Many of us very anxious or nervous to discuss with friends or colleagues. So there's a lot that we have the opportunity to dive into, but I will tell you that there is still so many concepts left. I will tell you even after this episode. So please make sure you connect with Tom. Tom, there's so many different ways that we could take our conversations from discussing grading and assessment, educational leadership, or gosh, anything else that you'd be able to give your insight in. If we were to start us off on a conversational note, looking at what you hope our viewers maybe could take away and have food for thought as they head into the week, where do you think you'd like to begin? Oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of places to begin. I think certainly when I think about assessment, I think of a couple of things. One would be that um, just a good reminder that uh, we can't teach without assessment. Um, teaching without assessment is content coverage, uh, information delivery. Um, you always have to know whether or not your students are learning what you're teaching and whether they're, they're reaching the goals of the lesson. But but here's here's the important thing. like We really need to assess our students every single day. Now, I say it that way because a lot of people will think, oh, gosh, Tom, if I'm assessing every day, when am I teaching? But the vast majority of our assessment evidence should not be quantified, and it should steer clear of your gradebook. This is about using assessment to make instructional decisions. It's about gathering evidence to provide feedback. So the, the the majority of the time, like you can't teach without assessment. So we assess because we have to. We should only grade when we need to. We, we look at evidence and, and all of that. So that's one of the big ideas that I tend to talk about a lot. And my colleagues tend to talk about a lot as well, which is assessment doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a stapled. It's just information that helps us make decisions because we run the risk of overteaching and underteaching things if we don't know where our students are in their learning. You know, Brad, even just last week, we were talking about how formative assessment specifically was coming up a lot in mm -hmm the members of, of our Teach Better family. And we just touched on it. Of course, Tom will be able to, to uh, discuss it further. Brad, I'd love to hear your vantage point of this. What questions you have as an educational leader, obviously serving a staff of teachers and the discussion of formative assessments kind of scary to discuss sometimes. Tom made an incredibly important distinction uh, between simply teaching and teaching using assessment to inform. Uh, what's going on. And we want to shift away from simple content delivery. We want to make sure that we're being mindful of meeting minute-to-minute -minute needs of our students, as well as our daily, weekly, and monthly uh, goals as well. Tom, when when I talk uh, assessment uh, with colleagues, we talk about triangulation of assessment, uh, making sure that we're accessing uh, observations, conversations, and products of learning to to develop a greater picture and a more consolidated, rich picture of what students are learning and have yet to learn. In your experience, are there any aspects of that triangulation that may be overlooked or be sort of hard to get to that that really is is there kind of a is there kind of a, a silver lining or like a magic bullet among that tri triangulation that you really want people to be mindful of and dig into? I wouldn't say a silver bullet. What I would say is that on if you look at the micro on individual standards, it might be hard to triangulate 
um, in the sense that you may not have the time to have three different sort of observations because there may be certain standards that are not conducive to say a performance assessment that's observable, something you need to see or hear. So when I think of triangulation, I think more holistically that we want a sampling. A lot of standards are conducive to that. A lot of learning goals are conducive to that. But I would think about zooming out a little bit and not being so fixated on having triangulation on every single standard, but I'd look mm -hmm. at triangulation within clusters or strands or domains so that when you look at a student more holistically, you've had the opportunity to see them do things, you've listened to them, you've observed them, you've got products from them uh, that are tangible. They're, they're, the triangulation, I think, sometimes can get too much into the weeds and trying to always have sort of three assessments, three different assessments per standard. And I think for me, that's too granular. Okay. I, I like to, I'm really, really talking recently about making sure as teachers look at student performance, look at it more holistically. If you think of assessment as just gathering information to draw an inference about the learner, I think that's a really important way to, to think about assessment is that here's the totality of the evidence. Here's the preponderance of evidence, if you will. What can I infer about this learner? And that triangulation allows students to demonstrate their learning in ways that account for their strengths, account for, you know, uh, different modes or mediums of assessment, ways that you can demonstrate your learning in different ways, because most standards don't dictate uh, the assessment format. They do dictate the method, whether it's a constructed response, a selected response, or a performance task. But inside that, just because something is a constructed response doesn't mean, mean it needs to be written. It can be oral. Uh, it can be something you construct in terms of build or demonstrate. So there's lots of different ways to do it. So I would just try not to get too into the weeds with the triangulation. I would try to zoom out a little bit and say, do we have a sampling uh, that really gives us a complete picture of the learner? You know, Tom, there's so many different discussions that that we've had over formative assessments, specifically over the last few months. There's been a lot of educators mm -hmm. that have been seeking support in this area. Obviously, sure. we've been doing this type of work for years and, mm -hmm. and have, have done a lot of different um, content pieces to support educators. Have you find there's been, there's been a theme this year of what educators are kind of seeking that you feel like you've been saying frequently, maybe a common phrase or a common mm -hmm. workshop or keynote you've been giving where you're saying, yeah, this has always been what I've communicated, but it seems to be a really hot topic right now. Well, I think a common thing that I'm trying to emphasize recently is that whole notion of not quantifying and not being tangible. I think one of the most underutilized, um, pound for pound, one of the most underutilized formative assessment strategies is to get kids to talk to each other about their learning. Just posing a question or a prompt and trying to unearth their thinking. There, there, so much of what happens in school is private. And if I'm a struggling learner and I'm sitting with a group of three other students, I'm in a group of four, if the teacher gets them talking about how to solve a problem or how to respond to a prompt, if I'm struggling, but I listen to two or three other students in my group start talking about how to approach the problem, I can't unhear what they've just said. So that's going to help me. That's going to be opportunities for me to learn from my peers. So the teacher strategically just positions themselves around the room because eventually you know who to go listen to and you know maybe who you don't need to listen to as frequently. You start to know your class, right? So for me, the, the idea of, of getting kids to talk to each other, 
I think a really important distinction as well is thinking of formative assessment as formative assessment strategies. One clue I've often used in workshops is to try not to use the, the term in the plural. Because as soon as you say formative assessments, you start thinking about things that are tangible. And they start to feel like summatives that don't count as opposed to formative assessment strategies. So what are ways in which I can unearth some evidence that can help me make an instructional decision that can help the students even self-assess and know what's next for themselves as learners? Because that's the ultimate goal is for students to be able to do this for themselves. So for me, that idea of getting kids to talk to each other is still, I think, one of the most underutilized, but certainly one of the most impactful formative assessment strategies that we can use. Brad, I feel like Tom is hitting a nerve for me because this yep. has been so much of what, and again, Tom, we do professional development, so many things. You are somebody I lean on and go to. I learn from you constantly. And I love quoting you in, in workshops and presentations like, oh, you got to follow my buddy, Tom Shimmer. He's making this <laughs> work. And something that I feel like I've become like on recall, like constantly saying is trying to work with educators to reformat their thinking of the term assessment. Like we have mm -hmm. become, or at least the educators I've been talking to and I have empathy for have become so fixated on what assessment does and does not mean. And really trying to open that up, break that apart and say, even you just asking a strategic question is a phenomenal formative assessment. It's not only about mm -hmm. asking the question, but listening to the feedback you get and then yeah. what what is going to be then the the feedback that you the feedback circle that you reply back like really looking at the holistic system not just yeah. what am i putting in front of the students but how does that entire process escalate yeah. out so that we can continue to adjust and adapt and be the best educators possible but mm -hmm. gosh everything you just shared i feel like that is so common right now and i find that it's most common and please correct me if i'm wrong but I think it's because a lot of educators right now feel like they've used all their tools in their toolkit and they're trying to find the next solution. And I almost feel like it's it's about going backwards and saying, OK, but well, how did we start? Because that was working really well. Ask those simple questions. Yeah, for sure. Every, uh, you know, something when people say to me, like sometimes I get a little bit feisty or whatever, and they'll say to me, Tom, can you give me a list of formative assessment strategies? And I'll say, you're already doing them. And, oh. I, and they'll say, well, what do you mean by that? And I say, well, do you ever ask your students questions? They say, I mean, that's what teachers do. We ask our students questions. But then the question about their question asking is this. Are you asking a question so that six kids, the same six kids will raise their hand, you'll get one correct answer from them, and then you'll move on, having confirmation that one of the 30 understands the work? Or are you asking the question to elicit evidence of learning? Mm -hmm. Assessment is actually very simple. It's, it's simple and complex. It's simple because all assessment means is gathering information about student learning. That's it. Don't make a meal out of it, people. Like that's all assessment is, gathering information about student learning. The complexity is knowing how to target the right things, to have a prompt that's sharp, that elicits the right evidence. So I have to ask the right question to get the evidence that I need in order to make a decision. So that's where the complexity comes in for sure. But assessment just means gathering information about student learning. And I think once you do that, then you decide what your purpose is. So another um, thing that I often will emphasize with folks is every time you assess your students, you should ask yourself a very simple question. And that question is why? Why do I want this information? In other words, what do I intend to do with it? 
So it's not about declaring whether something is formative or summative. Just ask yourself, what's the purpose of this assessment? Why am I gathering it? So when people say to me, Tom, what should I do with homework? I say, well, what is the purpose of homework? And they say, well, the purpose of homework is for kids to practice their skills. Well, you just said it out loud. It's practice. Therefore, it's formative. Right. So knowing why you're gathering the information gives you clarity on what you need to do. So if I say I want this information to make an instructional decision, I want to use the evidence formatively, then I need to ask a more granular question because I need to be able to specific. I need specificity in formative assessment. Right. I need to be able to pinpoint what's next for the individual learner, but also maybe the class as a whole. If I'm thinking the purpose is more summative, I may zoom out a bit and think more generally and look at it more holistically in terms of its quality. So knowing the answer to that question, why do I want this information? Why am I assessing the students? That is a really underutilized but very important question that teachers can, can help guide the decisions they make. Because once you know why you want the information, you'll know what to do with it once you have it. So good. Brad, do you ever feel like sometimes, especially during these times of the year, and we all know what these times of the years are, uh, Brad, do you ever feel like sometimes educators just need to take a step back, simplify, and go back to those core values of like, sometimes I feel like we just need a reminder to like chill and not make things hard. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that so casually. No, that, it, it's so true. And that, that happens so often in the cycles of, of uh, instruction assessment and busy times during the school year. Uh, educating seems to be about a list of things that we have to get done and a list of tasks that kids have to get completed and turned in. Uh, and, and Tom, your comment about encouraging student thinking and discussion, making explicit that thinking and crafting classroom communities and environments where that kind of rich discussion is not simply an every once in a while thing, but the, the, when a classroom is alive with discussion, it challenges kids' inner thinking and inner soundtrack about what's going on. And in, in, in an ideal world, it actually gives kids permission to think and to speak and to articulate their thoughts especially for some of our most reluctant learners. And if the teacher is perceptive, uh, he or she has a window of uh, 5, 10, 15, whatever it is, minutes into kids thinking uh, that would not be revealed otherwise. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole point is that every move the students make can help you know whether or not the students are on or off track. I mean, there are things about facial expressions and paralinguistic patterns and, and body language that can also, so this is what, you know, expert teachers, they, they notice thinking and they notice where students are in their learning. We would say that novice teachers, my colleagues and I would say novice teachers notice behavior and, and expert teachers notice thinking. And, and that part is how do I unearth their thinking? How do I, how do I try to make as much as possible public so that there's insights gained across the classroom. We make one of the biggest mistakes is we think we are the sole source of the feedback, of the next steps, of the guidance. Like we put ourselves in that position then wonder why it's so exhausting. Mm -hmm. The whole point of becoming an assessment expert, and I, and I do, I would say to people that developing your, it's the most efficient and effective professional investment any teacher can make because there is nothing of substance in a school that's not touched by assessment. But the whole goal is for me not to become an expert. The whole goal is to become an expert so I can teach the students how to do this for themselves. I want to bring them inside the process. I want them to be able to self-assess. 
and peer assess and be sources. Of course, the teacher's insight is more expert than the students, but the students have much to tell one another about where they are in their learning. And that distributes not just the power, but it distributes the influence and it helps create an environment where we're all kind of working together. So for teachers, the payoff really is student investment. Once students understand that, then we can even go to go further and help them become more self-regulatory about their learning and set goals and uncover how they're learning and understand themselves as learners through the assessment cycle. So try, keeping ourselves at the center of every assessment experience actually is a block for what is really potentially possible in a classroom. You know, Tom, we are going to transition here into our Sunday Spark, but before we do, I would really love for you to give our community a very small challenge to strive to complete this week, because something I've really enjoyed about being a fan and a follower, a friend of yours is, is you always have me thinking. I'm always thinking of so, like, so many things I will do based off of even just this 15-minute conversation, mm-hmm. and I'm always... I always leave so inspired. The things that you share to mm-hmm. me feels very approachable, which I really value because I need kind of like the soft push, not the not the shove. Um, but in case our community is is listening, saying, "Oh my gosh, Tom, I would don't even know where to start," but I'm such a fan of what you're sharing. Mm-hmm. Where would you kind of encourage them to begin this week? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, what comes to mind because I, I was actually writing about it this morning is reflection, student reflection. Um, my, my colleague, uh, Natalie Vardabasso and I are currently in the process of co-authoring a book called Rehumanizing Assessment Through Story. And one of the chapters that I'm writing about is about student reflection and using reflection to tell the story of what you're learning or how you're learning. So one of the things that I was writing about this morning was, was the idea that this is such a challenging thing because we feel like we have to go full throttle every week for the entire school year that we never take the opportunity to press pause and get students to reflect and not just reflect in a general sense. Cause I think the more specific your prompt is, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. So for example, I don't just say, Hey, how do you think you did? I'm going to ask them specifically, you know, at what point during this project were you stuck and how did you, how did you get unstuck and what did you learn about yourself as a learner or under what conditions do you find yourself collaborating more effectively as a team? So there are, there are specific things. So I think one of the things that we do is we're forging ahead and we put ourselves again at the center saying, I've got to cover all of my standards. And I understand that professional responsibility, but coverage without learning is useless. We don't, you know, if students aren't learning anything, that's not helpful. And one of the ways in which they will learn and deepen their learning is being able to pause and reflect on what have they learned or how are they learning? And so my challenge would be, to find some time, even if it's just at the end of the week, um, just just taking some time to pause and get the students to reflect. And the real challenge would be ask them questions that force them to be a little bit metacognitive, to think about how they learn and who they are as learners and what, what, what happened this week that really helped you learn versus what happened this week that maybe was an inhibitor that you had to overcome and what are some strategies, things like that. So to me, the reflection part is something that we know is so important, and yet it's the first thing we cut out of our day if we don't have time. And I think the challenge would be to try to make time for that pause and that reflection. So many good things for us to consider as we head into the week. Let's get into our Sunday Spark. 
Hey everyone, we are back with our Sunday weekly warm up, wrapping it up here with our Sunday Spark, which is where we give you something to think about, something positive, a little spark in your day. And of course, we'll go over some wacky holidays. Tom Schnummer has given us so much insight thus far on this conversation, and he will continue as he wraps up here with us by providing us resources and ways to stay connected with him here just in a little bit. Brad, what do you got for us for our Sunday Spark? I'm going to ask you and Tom, uh, Ray, just to take a look at the screen and a uh, photo is going to come up there. And I Ooh. wonder if you, uh, if you were the editor here and you uh, captioned that photo, what, what kind of caption might you come up with? <laughs> Tom, I'm going to let you go first. But oh, I think I come on. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm going I, feel, I almost feel like, I feel like there's like a little air guitar happening there. So. Yes. Right. Um, I was going to go rock and roll. That's right. Yeah, I was going to capture yeah, rock, rock and roll. roll. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Living on a prayer. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I have no idea. I like that, yeah. Brad. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, good one. Yeah, the, this, is, uh, this is the grand prize winner of the uh, 2023 Comedy Wildlife Photo Awards. And I'll put the link here uh, in our Facebook comments afterwards. But what a great spark for conversation with uh, mm -hmm. colleagues or with kids. Uh, these photos are absolutely adorable. This is the Grand Plies Renner. Just, just like you said, uh, Tom and Ray, a kangaroo playing air guitar. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, this comes from Jason Moore from Australia, uh, who won up against 5,300 entries from amongst 85 countries. Uh, some other photos here to take a look at is uh, this one here I thought was really <laughs> captivating. Brad, uh, this, this one is here is... Brad, this yep. is my favorite one. I, you didn't bring this up. I was bringing this picture up. I love it. All right on. <laughs> this bird looks. This would like be a, like a great spark. A great spark for creative writing, or yeah. maybe uh, what happened before, or what's happening mm -hmm. after. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. kids want to uh, get uh, adapt this as a uh, a jumping off point for a graphic novel or a comic strip. This this photo here is called dispute and you can almost <laughs> you can almost hear the dialogue amongst yeah. these birds well <laughs> what's going on and maybe mm -hmm. i just need to branch out but i i love anything to do with birds and trees i think that's a good one i feel like the green bird was like a teenager i think that scene played out this weekend and being told to take out the trash or something like that yeah to me it looks like he's being kicked out of a restaurant like get right. out of here we can't this is not your home yes. <laughs> Now, uh, before we move on, I must ask you to uh, take a look at this uh, uh, this uh, this picture here. And uh, uh, Movember is coming to an end, but I wonder if this uh, if this primate, uh, this monkey, was uh, taking part in Movember or not, Ray and uh, Tom. So good. I love these photos. I've actually like yeah. looked at them numerous times and. They're still funny the second or third time watching them. So people, you have to go look up these pictures. They're so adorable. <laughs> A great spark to conversation and creativity in your classroom. And not only are this year's award winners featured in this uh, website, uh, but there are links back to the 2022 and 2021 award winners. So great food for thought, whether it's a visual journal or just uh, something to lighten up your staff newsletter or uh, something to get your uh, community meeting off to a great start in the morning. Hey, yeah. while we've got the kangaroo on the screen, I wanted to ask uh, you and Tom, do you guys know why kangaroo moms hate rainy days? Kangaroo moms hate rainy days. Yeah, the, the kids have to play inside. There you go. <laughs> I knew it had something to do with the 
a I pouch know. or something. But I'm I like, Joey pouch. I got to get the yeah, breakfast at Joe. Yeah. Well, Ray, I, I think we better hop to it and uh, let everybody know what's uh, coming up in terms of wacky holidays. Guys, there's some great holidays this week. Uh, noting that today, don't worry, it's not over yet. You can celebrate National Cake Day. Tomorrow, mm. of course, being Cyber Monday. Tuesday being Giving Tuesday for many people. And also, of course, National French Toast Day, which I mm. assume is something that many of you will be celebrating. We are wrapping up the end of Diwali. And we're also getting into National Lemon Cream Pie Day, as mm. well as... Um, uh, so many other things for women and celebrating Evan. It's National Evan Day coming up here in, uh, on Wednesday. So if any of you know a friend named Evan, that might be an opportunity to celebrate them. We have National Computer Security Day, St. Andrew's Day. And of course, as we wrap up our time together, we will head into December on Friday. And Friday will kick us off with uh, so many, so many mm -hmm. different days. Like, Day without art day, that would be a sad day. Eat a red apple day. Nope. And uh yeah, I don't know. There's like there's like so many national cookie like cutter day. Why wouldn't you want to celebrate nationally national cookie cutter day? Of course. So many I good agree. things. So feel free to share with us what holidays you are celebrating this week so we can celebrate with you. As many of you are keeping in mind that you have students of all different cultures and backgrounds and religions. And please keep that in mind as we head into December, celebrating all the amazing different people in this world and lots and lots of different religions that will be celebrating very, very special days into the coming weeks ahead. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I would love to have you share your contact information so our community here can stay connected to you. Sure. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's at Tom Shimmer. Um, you certainly can find a lot of information uh, on the podcast, on the Teach Better Network, uh, as well as the Solution Tree website. Uh, my books are available there. Um, you can, there's a landing page. Uh, any requests for PD go through there as well. So uh, lots of places uh, to, to connect for sure. Wonderful. If any of you are looking for support in connecting with Tom, if you have any issues or can't quite figure out how to get him to your school, reach out to us. We will absolutely uh, be a huge supporter of bringing Tom into your life even further, whether, whether it be just by being a follower and a listener or also somebody that brings him into a school district keynote or workshop. There's incredible things to be learned. So Brad, thank you so much. Of course, every single week being a part of the show with me, I love being able to catch up with you. And Tom, you were an amazing guest. Thank you for thank kicking you. off the end of November with a huge smile and food for thought. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, happy to be here. Looking forward to next time already. So good. For everyone else, we hope you have an amazing week ahead and keep us in mind if you need anything. Bye guys.